Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Good morning. It's Sunday on Sunday Take here on News Talk 830 WCCO. It is Sunday, July 10th, 2022. A week removed from the 4th of July. Five months about 120 days from election day. And we have a new law that became law on July 1st that continues to be kind of the buzz or the talk of the state of politics. And this week, we're going to aim to understand it better. You know, it's been kind of a a wild and crazy ride with this legalization of THC and hemp. And so this week, we're going to talk to Jessica Rowe. She's an attorney helping employers navigate this and employees. And we're going to talk to Heather Edelson. She's the chief chief author of this bill in the House. What were they trying to do when they passed this law? Were they trying to legalize a cannabis product, Cartnone? Or were they just trying to regulate what was out there already? That and much more when we come back. On Sunday Take on News Talk 830 WCCO. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. It is warm and steamy and the politics is getting hot. If you look at the week we just had, on the 4th of July, the nation's 
holiday, that night, more video and chaos and mayhem out of Minneapolis. That became the story that led the week. Who was responding? How is responding? And you have to look at the dynamics. Senator Scott Jensen, Matt Burke were quick to pounce on the idea that there was more lawlessness, that the governor hadn't done anything, that Minneapolis was kind of crazy. And then it came out that Jacob Fry doesn't want the National Guard in Minneapolis, but Governor Walz, without going into detail, said, you know, we um, we will do whatever we can to help Minneapolis, which led for a lot of calls of like, what's the plan? Is there a plan? So as the week continued, the truth of the matter is that there wasn't a plan, but we have started to see some movement. First and foremost, the state patrol is increasing patrols to crack down on street racing and other kind of driving street crimes. That starting, started this weekend. That's big. And then Jacob Fry named a new uh, public safety commissioner. Now, this is part of the new public safety department and the restructuring in the city of Minneapolis. Fry named Dr. Cedric Alexander. And I got to say, on first blush, he is pretty confident and exudes confidence. So maybe we'll start to see some progress. You know, Democrats continue to point to the fact that Republicans walked away from the legislature. But the truth of the matter is, nothing that was done in the legislature would have helped this last week. And Democrat and Republicans keep pointing to the fact that, you know, Democrats haven't done anything. But the reality is neither of Republicans. It's politics. And it's going to be a major piece as we go through the election. So now what do we have to look forward to this week? Well, this coming week, you know, we'll watch the ethics hearing in the Senate related to Senator Omar Fettah. And then we'll start to see how the primary election between Representative Ilhan Omar and former city council member Don Samuels might play out. Samuels went up on TV this last week. And the things to think about in this race are threefold. First and foremost, the voting patterns of 2020 are are kind of an outlier. Will they have turnout? Will there be more turnout in Minneapolis, less turnout in Minneapolis? Let's remember the primary in 2020 wasn't very contested and most people voted by mail. Now you also have to layer in competitive races in Hennepin County Attorney's Race, Hennepin County Sheriff's Race, and they may draw out more voters in the suburbs where Ilhan Omar doesn't do as well. So. It's tough to say that Samuels has a great shot of beating Omar, but it's also tough based on the model two years ago to see where she's at. Expect some polls in that race to continue and expect some polls to pop out in the governor's race here in the next few days as well. It's a long slog. We'll be here every week to kind of recap and see where we're at. When we come back, Jessica Rowe is an attorney. 
just helping employers and employees navigate these new THC laws. What's allowed, what's not, and more. Here on Sunday Take on News Talk 830 WCCO. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. The first cup of coffee this Sunday morning is with Jessica Rowe of the Rowe Law Group. Jessica is an attorney in town. She works with employers. And she's one of my go-to sources when I'm trying to figure out what new laws or what laws mean to employers. And I feel like for the last four years, as we've had a conversation in this state about legalization of cannabis or THC, I get a lot of questions from employers. And I know that the former commissioner of labor and industry was kind of charged early in the walls term with trying to figure out what what are the rules? What's acceptable? Where are we at? So I thought with the new law related to legalizing THC and hemp-based CBD products, Jessica would be a great guest. Jessica, thanks for joining me. Sure. But when you say somebody was charged with figuring it all out, did somebody actually figure it all out? Because I feel like that's the person we want to talk to. <laughs> well, she's no longer the commissioner of labor and industry. And I don't think we ever learned that she was, she figured it out because of course it never became legal. I know, so, I know. Um, but there's a lot of planning. And so let's just start with what are your clients asking about? What are you talking about? How do you start to guide them through a law that is 11, 12 days old? Yeah, I mean, most of my clients, and certainly now since the COVID pandemic, most clients have employees that are located outside of Minnesota, in addition to being in Minnesota. Uh, And especially now when you can work remotely, people are working all over the country and employers, because of the great resign, are hiring employees all over the country. So everybody has been talking about Um, legalizing the consumption of um, THC or marijuana becoming legal. And so the question has always been sort of how can multi-state employers react to this national growing trend? Now, you know, here in Minnesota, and certainly a lot of companies didn't ever think of themselves as multi-state employers until COVID because, you know, people were always here in town. Now employers are trying to figure out how do we manage whatever this new change in the law was? And I would say generally, you know, save COVID, for example, employers have some runway in getting ready for new laws. But I, I would I would tell you, honestly, in this case, uh, employers were really sort of sideswiped. Um, those of us who were paying attention saw it in there, but, you know, didn't really think it would go through or someone was going to knock it out. Uh, so um, the many employers were were kind of caught blindsided. And the questions they're asking are, what are we going to do? Like, what do we do if employees are, you know, eating gummies on their way into work? Um, right. You know, how are we going to manage that? Right. So uh, as as they start to look at that, I mean, I'm guessing as an employer, they have 
you know, an employee handbook, they have policies in place. How do, how do you reconcile policies that are already in place with either a new law or their job, right? If, are there certain jobs that you get to set guidelines that say you can't have THC in your system? How does that work? Yeah. Well, you asked about five questions there. So I'm going to, uh, let me hit your last one first. Yes. There are some jobs where you can't have THC in your system. Uh, and and I, I think most employers would hope that their employees, regardless of the job they're in, don't have THC in their system. Right. But mm-hmm. there are some jobs, uh, safety sensitive positions where that are federally regulated uh, where employees can be randomly drug tested, are generally drug tested, and they they cannot have THC in their system. I mean, I think uh, you know what employers are are thinking about right now are a couple of things. Number one, how are they going to keep track of the difference between a medical marijuana issue, somebody who's on the registry, versus somebody you know who's having gummies on the way into work. Um, pre-employment testing is really going to be critical for employers to be thinking about right now. I have been advising employers, and I think many of my colleagues have been doing the same thing. We've been advising clients, it might be time to take out marijuana from the panel when you're drug testing employees. Um, Right. I mean, look, we've got uh, 10, uh, 19 states um, plus DC have legalized recreational marijuana, I think like something like 38 states, 39 plus DC medicinal marijuana, it's probably time to readjust that. So if you're an employer that is doing pre-employment testing or random testing, you probably want to start thinking about your panel that you're using to test. And what are you going to do when people test positive for some sort of low level of THC? And I guess that feeds into your drug testing policy. Employers should definitely be looking right now, what does your drug testing policy say? Again, what is the panel? What is your process for somebody testing positive? In Minnesota, it's extraordinarily specific about the hoops you need to jump through uh, if somebody is positive. That's different than other states right around us, right? So really thinking about how you're going to manage that issue. Um, Honestly, Blois, do you know what I think is the most important thing for employers to do? And we're going to do a webinar next week on this is understanding reasonable suspicion. If you're an employer, you want to train your managers on that. Yeah. So talk about that because the range of employers, obviously, and remote work and those kinds of things. So A, what is reasonable suspicion and what do employers need to need to understand about it? Yeah. I mean, I think the good news is the new Minnesota law doesn't appear to create any new sort of questions or concerns regarding reasonable suspicion testing. So while, you know, employees are able to consume lawful products in their free time, they can't be under the influence of legal or illegal drugs while working. Uh, So, uh, you know, I think employers really should be considering implementing a reasonable suspicion protocol or process which might include a checklist or interviews, documentation, ways for managers and supervisors to tag an employee that they might think there's uh, some sort of issue with, and then figure out if they have reasonable suspicion to either test or send the employee home, something like that. But it is a process that employers have sort of, you know, put by the wayside because nobody really wants to sort of task a manager for with figuring something like that out. But 
I think now is the time. And I think, you know, our suggestion is going to be really train, train, train. It's probably the best thing you can, you can do um, unless you have employees who are all in safety sensitive positions where you're doing random drug testing, you know, maybe under a specific state statute or DOT regulation. And then you have certain um, protocols you'll follow there. Jessica Rowe is my guest. She's an attorney with the Rowe Law Group. She represents employers in trying to navigate laws, regulations. And we're talking about the new hemp bill that allows edibles and drinkables that have THC and how employers are viewing this. Jessica, this particular piece of legislation, you know, was passed in May, became effective July 1st. The runway seemed pretty fast. When when regulations are passed by the legislature, signed into law, what's the normal runway? How how do employers get ready? I know you have a webinar we'll add, we'll talk about later, but how does how does that all kind of come together? Well, I would say normally, um, you know, employers get FAQs from whatever agency has put, you know, a particular uh, policy or procedure in place. You will have FAQs. Employers can, you know, ask questions, can get an understanding of, of, you know, what the law means. This law is a little different because, yes, there is something new that's legal uh, on the market, but it really doesn't change what an employer should be doing or was doing, or I should say it doesn't change what they were doing, but it probably changes what they should be doing, right? Because this is not new news. Um, and I think in this particular scenario, all employers need to do rather than, and I know everybody has spent the last, you know, three years completely over the top concerned about constant changes with COVID and, uh, protocols and employers are coming off the heels of the uh, overturning of, um, the row decision and how to manage that in the workplace, especially multi-state employers. And now, on the heels of that, we have this change. But I think employers should just understand that really things don't change much for them. They should still have the same protocols in place. They should make sure they take a look at their handbook. They have to remember that they can't, um, uh, you know, discriminate um, for certain, you know, medical related reasons. Uh, if somebody's on the registry and they test positive for um, um, marijuana, so again. I think employers, while everybody seemed a little bit nervous, I think they should take heart. The law does not really change what an employer should be doing related to the safety of their employees at work. Jessica, as we wrap here, um, what when you talk about, you know, the suspicion or the usage, um, what what's on the liability side? So not necessarily what is, you know, you have an employee whether or not you have, if you have a policy or if you haven't tested how they are there. One thing I think about is if you have an employee that you have reasonable suspicion of, or you don't have reasonable suspicion of, and they are high um, and they, you know, make an error. They, and, and we're not talking, I'm talking about just in general, not egregious heavy industry kind of stuff. Um, what, what do employers have as recourse there? Yeah, I mean, look, there are a lot of issues um, surrounding um, the use of marijuana for medicinal purposes. Generally, somebody's on the registry and um, 
and you have some, you know, sense of what kind of accommodations that person may need. The issue with reasonable accommodation and certainly um, and uh, the use of THC or a positive THC test uh, in the workplace is in Minnesota, we have very specific regulations. We have to jump through processes. We have to jump through based on the statute we have for drug and alcohol testing. And that's really, we have one of the most onerous um, uh, statutes, I think, in the country. And so employers just need to pay attention to that and make sure they follow all of the ramifications and all of the steps related to that statute so that if they do need to terminate somebody uh, or discipline somebody, uh, they are doing it certainly within the bounds of the law. Okay. If Jessica, if, if people want to learn more about your webinar or how to navigate this, how do they learn, learn about yeah. it? Yep. They could go to our website, which is www.roelawgroup.com. And we have under a drop down menu where they, we have alerts. We will have a notice there about our upcoming webinar on Tuesday for some uh, for employers. Sounds great. Jessica Rowe, thanks for joining me on Sunday Take. Thanks. When we come back, we're going to talk to Heather Edelson. She was the author of this bill in the House, and she'll talk about what they were trying to accomplish in the legislature by passing this legislation. I'm Blaise Olson. You're listening to Sunday Take on News Talk 830 WCCO. Joining me for the final cup of coffee this Sunday morning is State Representative Heather Edelson, from Edina. She has been one of the key authors on the legislation that everybody's been talking about related to edibles and THC and hemp. And I just wanted to have a final kind of conversation this Sunday morning about how this came about and what other pieces of legislation are probably coming forward in future sessions to regulate this. Uh, Representative, thanks for joining me. You bet. Thanks for having me, Blaise. So um, let's just start at the beginning. You um, authored this bill. You understood this bill. There's a, there's politics about the bill, but really I want to focus on the policy to start um, to start the conversation. What was the policy proposition when this legislation was drafted and introduced? So this was actually when this came um, to me heard of pharmacy and the board of egg and um, some of the things that we knew that were happening across the state there was this issue about a product products being sold um, delta eight products being sold that were a lot of the packaging were mimicking products that were already on the market like doritos types of cereals um I think there was like a Rice Krispie uh, version. Um, there were uh, Sour Patch Kids and cherry, cherry, um, little cherry candies. And so these products were being sold all over the market and they were at really high potencies. And there was concerns um, that we had started to realize that these products were, were all over. And then uh, that people had believed that uh, the retailers selling them believed that they were legal because of the 2018 farm bill, as well as, um, as what was happening uh, with the 2019 CBD legislation that we have passed at the legislature. Um, 
And so there was confusion around it. So we knew that there was a policy problem and trying to go and uh, solve that was a tricky thing. And uh, absolutely, it was something that we had changed throughout um, meetings, but it was not, it, there was only one uh, amendment, one big, one amendment that actually um, changed it in commerce. And then from there, the bill stayed the same. So there was no really last minute changes. Um, the bill was full transparency. I know there were some things of like it operated. It was, you know, we did it in a sneaky way. Um, Lois, I absolutely, that is not true. That's not how I operate any of my legislation. Um, so this was in full transparency, um, a bill that was, had committee hearings, was vetted, and uh, really was trying to solve a policy problem that we were seeing across the state. Well, and I think that's one of the things that gets lost in kind of the you know, the, the kind of flashy headlines and the chatter and the giggles is that this was meant to regulate or clarify regulation of products that were already being sold in Minnesota. Is that, is that how you would frame it? That's, a, that's absolutely right. Um, and so what we had tried to figure out is, do we go and seize all these products from the shelf? What does that look like? Um, there were attempts to do cease and desist letters. Um, those were not being as successful because you would do a cease and desist letter and it would pop up in a different area. So it was challenging. So some of the really hard conversations that we had to have is, maybe we make a small amount legal and then we can we can enforce it in a different way. And that's really where we landed. Um, it was bipartisan. Senator Cran and I uh, worked on it together. Um, and so it's it was not hidden um, and it was very much something that was a collaboration um, to, to deal with a problem that we were seeing across the state. So, um, you know, in a news conference earlier this week, it was you know, it was discussed that, you know, look, this wasn't a big a bill that got a lot of press releases or media, you know, or press conferences. And that might have been uh, intentional not to call attention to it. As you've been working on these issues from lobbyists to media to advocates to activists, um, is this is this legislation or is this issue around kind of further regulating products that were already on shelves. Is it the kind of bill that pro-cannabis activists were calling about? Were they pushing it? Or was it related to kind of the departments within the state? There, there, so I guess, first of all, I would just say that I pretty much on, I've been at the legislature for four years. I don't hold press conferences on legislation. That's just not my legislative style. I'm more kind of behind the scenes. I'm not the out front legislator. Um, but what I would say is I heard from advocates, absolutely. But, you know, agencies, of course, were trying to solve an issue um, with this. And uh, yeah, it was it was something that was a little mixed, but it it it, it did it did um, to the point, you know, where it was like, you know, sneaky was used. It yeah. did float under like it wasn't the most popular piece of legislation that was talked about. And it wasn't because we I mean, it's like, I guess you could make it, but it, that's I, it wasn't intentionally not uh, something that we, we brought to people's attention. It went through a normal process. Um, but yeah, it's. Uh, it was not it wasn't something I got a ton of calls on uh, surprisingly I just know that um, you know the advocates who are for full legalization of cannabis and 
they're well organized. I hear from them that we don't cover it enough. So I just wanted people to understand the dynamics because, um, you know, there's a lot of calls you get. There's a lot of interest you get. There's some visits you get. But uh, but from everything I've understand between the Board of Pharmacy and the Department of Ag, this started to be one of those issues that they said, look, we, we've got to find some clarification around. My guest is Heather Edelson. She's a state rep from Edina. We're talking about the new law in Minnesota that makes edibles and drinkables uh, with a certain amount of THC uh, legal in the state. Representative, uh, now I know that you're working with the League of Cities and others to come up with kind of these the guidelines and the regulations and the, the, the pieces going forward. How do you see that playing out in the next few months or in the next legislative session? You know, I think it's really important that we have um, cities understand what products are in their, their, that are operating within their city and being sold so that they know, um, which is why I did want to do a partnership because at the, at the Capitol and I, you know, I get along with my Republican colleagues very well. Um, I've had a great conversation with Senator Abler. He is a great Senator. I think, um, you know, it's making this a successful law is really my interest. People want legal access to THC products. And so my goal has been, how do we do that in a way, um, in a way that we can have those bipartisan conversations. Um, So my goal is to collaborate with Republicans and Democrats as we look to this next session. Um, Yes, uh, cities across the state will be passing, especially more densely populated cities like Minneapolis, St. Paul, um, some of the first and second ring suburbs will be passing uh, municipal ordinances to, to just probably look at compliance or sorry, excuse me, licenses, compliance, and then where the products can be sold. Uh, and that that really will be helpful as we go into the next legislative session. And so I think um, what, what cities are learning through that process uh, will be something that uh, they can come and testify. We can make sure that more people have eyes on this. It was not that we um, didn't want that. It's just that people were not, uh, it just wasn't a, a really highlighted piece of that struck people's attention. So I think when municipalities come in and we we look at this legislation for next session, um, I think it will have a lot more attention, but we will be looking at things like taxation, um, licensures for manufacturers, as well as retailers, things like that. When you um, look ahead, do you think taxes or taxing these products differently will be on the table? And is it something that you'd be supportive of? Yeah, absolutely. Right now, um, that is absolutely something we're looking at right now. Um, right now, they'll, they're just getting the the taxation that's on them is just, say, if a community, a city has a local option sales tax, and then the state tax is on it. So we will be, right now, we are already looking into um, what uh, sort of tax it, what we would, we would apply to this. Um, and then also looking at potentially a, a special revenue fund for it to go into um, we're looking at what enforcement agency at the state level would probably be a better place for it to live um, long term. And these are all discussions that um, we are going to absolutely be having over the next five to six months. Finally, as we know, this relates to hemp and hemp derived products. As policy goes or as you look at these issues, do you look at hemp and cannabis differently differently? 
do you think legislators do? Does the state look at that differently? Because obviously that's, cannabis is the way in which these issues related to THC and, and legalization have been discussed. And so it's almost like that discussion has happened. It didn't really go anywhere. And then this discussion, you know, came about the way we discussed. Do you, do you see these two blending together or do you look at them as two separate policy issues? No, I, I, I think it's something that we're going to have to talk about together because hemp and both marijuana are both cannabis plants. They're in the cannabis family. And so it's conversations that I hope that we can have in this next session of, um, you know, the, the, the response has been overwhelmingly positive from communities of wanting this, this access to this product. So I think at the legislature, my hope is whenever you talk about cannabis, it, it, it becomes about recreational use. And then all of a sudden, um, before you know it, it's so partisan that we can't have genuine policy discussions about it because people start to go into their buckets. And what I would just say is, you know, 19 other states are have some sort of form of um, legal access to THC products. And this is something as a state now that we have this is something and even again, Blaise, it was available before. And yep. so it's, um, I think it's really important that we start to have these discussions in a real way. Um, and then also look at how we can do it safely. And I, I truly do want it to be bipartisan. And I think it will be. Sounds great. Representative Heather Edelson, thanks for joining me on the Sunday Take. Thanks, Blaise. When it's Sunday at 9 a.m., it's Sunday Take on News Talk 830-WCCO. You can follow us throughout the week and subscribe to our tip sheets at fluence-newsletters.com. Search Morning Take on Twitter or Facebook for the latest in political news in Minnesota. Talk to you next week. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 